You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Secret Rooms. Definitive Edition. Part 2. Setting Out. Chapter 6. The Cartographers. Nine and a half years later. 1882. Now. Captain Annie Oakley. There's a point in any discussion I have with the new face that I always look out for. It's when I hit on a subject close to their heart, or I strike at a memory they've been hiding. It's when I have them. I can see a light behind their eyes from that moment on. Their voice changes and they start to lean in, and I know they're on board. In all honesty, I'm not sure I altogether favor that feeling. I don't like to fancy them as fish waiting to be reeled in by my clever combinations of bait and hooks. If I had my way, we'd let them all come to us. But we ain't doing things my way. And it turns out I'm pretty good at this, nonetheless. Then, of course, you get those times when things go rotten. The worst moments are the reflections afterward, when I look back on what I said, what I did, how I lost control of the situation. I think about what a different Annie in a different world would have done, and how she succeeded where I failed. Sometimes, when you're stitching your partners or yourself back together, or worse, burying the ones who didn't survive that failure... The sharp sense of missed opportunity can be overwhelming. You can reach out and touch the shadows of that world where things went better. And after your crying is done, the best you can do is learn from your mistakes. From the Journal of Sergeant Frank Butler, Weirwood, Charleston, West Virginia, October 8, 1882. For the first time in days, we have signs of life. This afternoon, Annie and I came across a small settlement who've managed to hold on to a fine Virginia manor house for well over a decade. The usual signs tipped us off, a well-maintained pathway and hunting trail leading off into the nearby forest. I spied the lookout and motioned our non-aggression, and we were led up to the front gates where I conversed with the housemistress. She seemed the practical sort, grave and determined, and I see already how she's maintained security for her people. They expressed interest in our remit, and I vouched the handbook, suggesting an assembly to allow us to state our case. We were permitted entry with rifles trained upon us, and the girl, Abigail, who saw us to our place atop the front step, made a deliberate show of her holstered pistol. On a scale of aggression and overt adherence to defenses that Annie and I have seen over the years, they ranked a medium-high. They did not seem desperate for food or aid, and we could tell this was going to be a tough sell. 
Annie was the speaker this time, reading Arlington's words with somber gravitas, always watching the crowd with those big eyes of hers, open and earnest, while still assessing for their reaction. Over the course of two and a half hours, their demeanor changed. The moment of acceptance came quietly around the forty-five-minute mark. Housemistress Holloway glanced up at Abigail and nodded, giving an almost imperceptible motion of her hand. Slowly, carefully, the rifles were lowered and stowed. Nobody ever wants to be overt about dropping their guard, living as we do in a world where doing so can feel like stumbling in front of a predator. Pains me, personally, that trust has become perceived as such a weakness. In this instance, that moment of acceptance of our non-aggression came around the time poor Sergeant Bo Travis was making his criticism of the early military response, or rather the lack thereof it. Everyone likes to hear about how their misgivings with our government were justified, and our admission by inclusion is a major step to rebuilding and repairing. Also, it doesn't hurt to hear some southern voices in a sympathetic light. A greater enemy of trust is the inexorable feeling that you're inferior in some way, considering the geography and circumstances of your birth. We now sit in a guest room, having eaten some nourishing, if plain fare. Over dinner I spoke with a lad named Christopher about what his role was in the Weirwood group. Turns out he's their beekeeper. A fully functioning apiary within the grounds keeps them in honey and beeswax. Mercifully, this means they have candles enough for me to write this, and that my cornbread was sufficiently sweetened. I don't like to snoop around so early in a visit, but I confess I have a powerful hankering to see what their other amenities include. From the Journal of Annie Oakley, Weirwood, Charleston, West Virginia, October 9th, 1882. Now what is that thing? It's a vox tube, Miss Holloway. You speak into it. We've been using them for half a year now, and between you and I, aside from my guns, this thing's the most useful tool in my kit. Easier on the right hand? Better at getting to the truth. It means I don't have to transcribe from scribble notes. I can literally write down every word you say later. I'll be careful what I say, then. Don't worry yourself. We want people to tell us what really happened to them. This handbook is a living thing. From what I hear, you have a tale that might help it grow. You say what you must. What you want people to hear. I haven't prepared. You don't have to. Just start with your name and where we are and the date and tell us your story. All right. Catherine Holloway, Weirwood, Charleston, West Virginia, October 9th, 1882. After the war, in the southern states, we came to see our defeat at the hands of the Federal Union as one of numbers. There were simply too many opposing soldiers, and despite our military history, we could not prevail. I remember... She talked for 30 minutes about her life. Growing up here within these walls, fending off adversity and shepherding a group of lost souls. She had turned her house into a fortress, and that fortress into a home. In truth, I felt ashamed to disturb the balance she had kept and paid for so dearly. When the dawn broke that morning, and we accounted for the dead, I found my darling Preston, propped up as though in sleep by the side of the cherry tree. It was a place where once sat in our former life, dreaming of the days when things would be still more bright and rosy. 
Beside him were three men, cut through the heart and neck. Three men, including their arrogant leader himself, who lost a final battle to a crippled soldier with more bravery than they could ever comprehend. Thank you, Catherine. That was wonderful. I'm sorry. Don't be. That's going to be in the second edition for sure. So, uh, now you've got to tell me about these two you're putting forth as recruits. I know it's going to hurt sending them away. You got that right. I suppose Emily Lefferts is going to have to be my get-things-done girl from now on, and Dr. Potts is going to need a new apprentice. Abigail's Virginia-born, you say? You've heard my story. I assume there's no love lost for the Yankees and her family. Can you see that being a problem? All of us have more than reason enough to harbor bad blood there. Absolutely. You've shown us more than fair accommodation and hurt us out. You have every reason to actively hate the people who sent me to your door. Yet... You're offering these two up to the RSA. Yes, I am. I just find that admirable after what you've been through. Your director makes many fine points regarding the importance of unity. We may not like it, but... I'm sorry. I'm finding it hard to believe what I've done here today. It's just dawning on me now what this entails, and... What saying goodbye to those two is going to mean to everyone. They sound more than up to the task. Miss Oakley? Annie. Annie? Be honest with me, please. Am I sending those two to their deaths? I could give you any number of responses right now, Miss Holloway. We've been asked that so many times, it's hard to comprehend the gravity of the words. I'd like to know. (laughs) Yes. The chances are that both of them will not see out the next year. This is an incredibly dangerous role. They are going to be hated and abused and shot at every week. Director Arlington can dress it up in all kinds of fineries regarding importance and impact on the world. But truth be told, Abby and James are most likely going to end up dead. I'll probably have to bury them myself, and the more I like them, the harder it's going to be. My God. But this is something they can do. If you have faith in them, their abilities, and their usefulness to America, then I do genuinely believe they can achieve the best with their lives for the most people as cartographers. If they stay here, they can protect you, your people, save lives, have children, Maintain that little longer. But, Miss Holloway, if everybody stays home, then the world is not going to get better. If we don't step outside our doors and do something about it, things will get darker and leaner and more desperate until our backs are pressed against every one of those doors and on the other side is a group of wendigos or a pack of raiders just like you encountered and we won't have the strength or bullets left to keep them out. If Abby and James die, if my husband dies, if I die, 
It will be so that the rest of us have the best chance at living. And forgive me for saying so, ma'am, but it seems like this is something your late Mr. Beauregard knew. Yes. Yes, he did. They will go with you, then. But could you do me a personal favor? Anything. I don't know if you'll be allowed or able, but please take good care of them. Try to stay close. I'll keep two eyes on them. You have my word. I haven't trusted an outsider in a long time. I hope I can earn it. I really do, Miss Holloway. Catherine. Continued from the Journal of Sergeant Frank Butler, Weirwood, Charleston, West Virginia, October 9th, 1882. Annie recorded Catherine's story and played it back for me. If I had respect for the woman before, it has exponentially increased. Annie and I sat by the cherry tree afterwards, and she held my hand so tight. We were guided around the grounds after that by Abigail. I found myself more respectful of her, having heard the account of her actions. We came to the infirmary and met Dr. James Penrose. He's a quiet and reserved sort, but I caught his eye and saw a sharpness there. He was interested in the handbook, and I loaned him mine to read for himself. A short time later, he returned it to me and delivered his firm intentions to be enlisted as a cartographer. I believe I am of sufficient character, sir. That's good news, sir. I thank you, as will the RSA. But this ain't a decision you have to make in thirty minutes. Here, read it in your own time. I've read it, I'm sure. Sleep on it. it this is a big decision. Beyond America, when considering the damage done to America by the Wendigo over the past eleven years, it is natural to question the state of the countries outside our borders. What of Europe, Africa, Asia? Here is a hard question, but one which we must accept if we are to indeed move forwards. All right, all right, that's a heck of a party trick you have there, but there's more to... <laughs> Food of the Wendigo. It is a common misconception that the Wendigo will feed exclusively on humans. That is not at all the case. What appears to be true, however, is that humans are to date the only animals that can suffer the infection and succumb to the physical and mental state of the Wendigo. You memorize the whole book. It is simply the way my mind works, sir. Do you think that might be useful to you and your people? Yes. Yes, I do. Splendid. Then I have just one favor to ask. What's that? Do you, by chance, have a bag of peppermint humbugs upon your person? I... Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. We were in Washington this spring, and there was this little general store that had reopened and started making candy again in their cookhouse in the back. Annie said that it was... Excellent. One of those will do fine, then. Incredulously, I removed the crumpled bag from my inner pocket. He took a humbug, and an expression passed over his face as he placed it in his mouth, one of softness and longing. As quickly as it had arrived, it was gone, and his eyes were once again open and piercing. He gave a tip of his hat and took his leave, sucking noisily on his way down the corridor. I've seen that expression many times before on the faces of those brought back into contact with a taste or smell from long ago but it is all the more gratifying to see it commandeer the visage of someone clearly so versed in hiding those memories away. Before I placed the book back into my coat, I gave it an experimental sniff. Beneath the heavy scent of the tanned leather cover, there was indeed a faint trace of peppermint from the candy I stored in the same pocket. I can tell this fellow is going to prove useful. You have been listening to episode 6 of Secret Rooms, The Cartographers, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Annie Oakley, performed by Loretta Saylor. Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. 
Catherine Holloway, performed by Maya Santandrea. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. And James Penrose, performed by Alex Shaw. One Wild West, performed by Edward Blakely of Shockwave Sound. Long Note 2 and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision, by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many Soundscapes, by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too. Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vahey, Daniel Salguero, Connor Kennedy, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Wazenski, Christopher Wolfe, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisholm. Just before we go, it is worth pointing out that the first book in Phase 2 of New Century has just been released, Uncivil Outlaw. And this is the first one that I am doing without the audio adaptation coming first. So that's Uncivil Outlaw, now available on Amazon, via the Kindle store, or a beautiful paperback edition. And this one is a gripping, page-turning political thriller. So if you've read or listened up to Steamheart, this book is your next port of call. Cool.